Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 27. If you're using the Bibles there in the chairs, it's page 198. 1 Samuel chapter 27. Many of you know uh, my pastor. He's been here several times, uh, John Stevens. Uh, he's no longer a pastor. He's retired now. Uh, but he was my pastor for uh, for over 20 years. And and I, I remember having a conversation with him some time back. And <clears throat> we were talking and a, um, a mutual friend came up in the conversation who who was a pastor. And I and and I remember asking him, well, yeah, whatever happened, you know, what you know, what's so and so doing now? And he says, oh, he he's he's out of the ministry. He 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 quit being a pastor. And I my first thought was, wow, that was kind of kind of strange because I I knew him and 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 had uh, a lot of respect for him as a pastor and was very disappointed. And finally, I asked him. I said, why why did he quit the ministry? And I'll never forget what he said. He said he got tired of the fight. He got tired of the fight. The truth is, if you are trying to live for God, I don't care if you're a pastor or not, it doesn't matter. If, but if you are trying to live for God, you're in a fight. It's that simple. Satan does not want you to live for him. So, in other words, if you are not in a fight, then chances are you need to check your walk. Does that make sense? He got tired of the fight. Sometimes the fight is spiritual. Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's emotional, and sometimes it's all three. Most of the time it's all three. And I, as I was thinking about this idea, I, I don't know of a, of a more um, or, or a better example than David when it comes to the fight. Now, the first part of the message, and this is going to take a little while because I've got to develop where we're going. The first part of this is going to be introduction. So we're going to cover a lot of stuff really fast, and I, I hope that I explain it well enough that everybody can, can tag along with me uh, <clears throat> because if, if I lose you here, then you know, hopefully you'll be able to catch up on the back end of it. But um, anyway... In 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel, who was the last of the judges, comes to David. Now, at the time, the king of Israel was a man named Saul. Saul had disobeyed God. And God said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to remove you and your family from the throne, and I'm going to put another man on the throne. His name is David. <coughs> Excuse me, if you're familiar at all with <coughs> particularly the Old Testament, <coughs> David is 
is very well known within Scripture. <clears throat> Excuse me. And David uh, is is a prominent figure in, in in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament because it is from the lineage of David that who was born Jesus Christ. So our lineage as believers, or the, well, more specifically, Jesus's lineage uh, uh, goes all the way back to David and and then all the way to 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 Abraham and and so on and so forth. So David is is a key figure in Scripture. But those of you that know that know the life of David, did David ask to be king? No, no he did not. It was it was put upon him. So I want you to think about this for a second. Everything that we're going to read, all the trouble, all the trials, all the, all the fighting, all the stuff that, that is going to be thrust into the life of David, did he ask for it? No, he did not. He was a shepherd boy. And he, he enjoyed being a shepherd boy. And, and I, I, told, I, could, I, I don't know anything about tending sheep, but I think I would enjoy it a lot because you spend a lot of time by yourself. And that was who David was. So I'm going to go through the life of David very quickly. So if you if I lose you here, hopefully you'll catch it when we come back around. So <clears throat> David, again, as, as we go through this, David asked for none of this, but it was it was thrust upon him by God. Samuel comes to David and he anoints him to be king over Israel. Does anybody know at that point how old David was? Okay, he was a young teenager, probably 12, 13 years old. Just a young kid. And almost immediately following that, he goes to work in the palace for the king, King Saul. Uh, he played the harp, and 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 we call it a harp because the Bible calls it a harp. But it was more it was more like a guitar than it would be a, a harp, like we would know harp today. But he played music that was soothing, and the king uh, had David come into the palace, and whenever his uh, 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 mood was was not good, David would play play the guitar or the harp or whatever it was, and. And, and it would calm the king down. Then shortly after that, we see David as a young boy take on Goliath. <clears throat> and uh, we all know the story. Hopefully, we all know the story of David and Goliath. And then Jonathan, David, or excuse me, Saul's son, Jonathan, and David become best friends. God literally knits their hearts together. Saul becomes jealous of David because the the death of Goliath, uh, uh, people were singing, uh, the ladies of Jerusalem were singing a song that Saul slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And, and because Saul was not right with God, bitterness set in. And, and now all of a sudden, uh, <clears throat> Saul has it out for David, and he and he and he throws a javelin at him and tries to kill him, and 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 David then 
because of the jealousy, has to take off, and 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 uh, he ends up coming back and and uh, marrying actually one of Saul's daughters. And then he gets angry again and throws another javelin at him. And now again, let me ask you a question: Was was the jealousy that that the king had for David was that David's fault? It, it was not his fault. Three times the king tried to kill David. David hides. He actually becomes a fugitive. And in the in the process of being a fugitive, he comes across a man named Nabal and he and he and he goes and he protects Nabal and his family and his and his and his all his, his animals, his sheep and everything, and and Nabal Nabal takes advantage of David and he cheats David and, and David's men. And anyway, there's a there's a sermon all in itself right there, so we're not going to go there. But anyway, uh, um, and David David was going to actually go kill Nabal, and then Nabal's wife steps in and 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 saves the day. And we'll be talking about her a little bit later, anyway. In verse, excuse me, in chapter 26. Now we're not going to read, we're going to read in chapter 27, but so stay in chapter 27. But in chapter 26, David, for the third time, uh, has a, uh, the, the king tries to kill him. So as we start reading in, in chapter 27, it comes on the heels of the third attempt on David's life by the king. First Samuel chapter 27 let's start reading in verse 1. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the uh, land of the Philistines and Saul shall uh, 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 despair of me to seek me any more uh, in any cause of Israel, so shall I escape out of out of his hand. And David arose, <clears throat> and he passed over uh, with his six hundred men uh, that were with him, and to, unto Achish, the son of uh, Moak, king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish in Gath. He and his men, every man uh, with his household, even David with his two wives, uh, Ananoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the Carmelite, Nabal's wife. Okay, that goes back to uh, Nabal. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath. And, and please underline this. If you underline in your Bible, highlight whatever. I want you to highlight this. And he sought no more again for him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day, for this time together in your word. And Lord, we ask that you would guide and direct and that you would help us, dear God, to see uh, the, the importance of, of the life of David. And Lord, we just ask that you'd guide and direct, speak to our hearts. For it's in Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Now, in verse 4, we see that he sought no more for him again. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to be asking a lot of questions this morning, okay? So you, you kind of have to bear with me. <clears throat> Was the fight over? Not even close. But Saul sought for him no more. I have another question for you. Who was Achish? He was the king of Gath. <clears throat> king of the Philistines. Who were the Philistines? The, the sworn enemies of Israel. Does anybody happen to know where Goliath came from? Gath. Achish was the king of the very place that Goliath came from. They hated each other. The, the, the Philistines were horrible, wicked people, more, more, morally and religiously. They worshipped idols. But morally, they were reprehensible people. And David goes to Gath, to the heart, to the, to the, (laughs) I I remember when, when I flew into D.C., I don't know who I was sitting next to, but somebody, we landed and the guy I was sitting next to says, well, we're in the belly of the beast. (laughs) <laughs> where did that come from I mean it was a stranger I'm like whoa okay that he was in the belly of the beast that was the absolute worst place in the world for David to go in 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 all tents and purposes David had defected not only had he defected from the army or, or the nation of Israel, but from God. Look at verse 5. And David said unto Achish, <clears throat> excuse me, if I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them. Uh, uh, Give me a place in some town in in the country that I might dwell there. And why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? And then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the king, uh, the uh, unto the kings of Judah uh, unto this day. And the the time that David dwelled in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. Sixteen months David lived in a town called Ziklag. He goes to to Achish. Achish gives him a town called Ziklag. They lived there for 16 months. 16 months. Now this is important, okay? You got to get this. 16 months. Look at verse 8. 
And David and his men went up and invaded the the Gershurites and the city of Gezerite and the uh, Amalekites, for those nations were of old the the inhabitants of the land, as goeth to Shur, even to the land of Egypt. And David smote the land and left neither man nor woman alive and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the, and the camels and and the uh, the appeal uh, uh, the apparel excuse me uh, and returned and came to Achish. Okay, so what takes place in verses eight and nine? David goes to an enemy of Israel and he attacks them and he absolutely destroys everybody and everything and takes everything. So there are what? No witnesses. Verse 10. So David, after doing this, he, he then comes back to Achish or to Gath. And, he, and, and uh, verse 10, And Achish saith, uh, <clears throat> Whether have ye made a road today? In other words, where have you been? And David said, Against the south of Judah and against the south of uh, Jehoramites and against the south of the Canaanites. <clears throat> Is that where he had been? No. And David uh, saved neither uh, man nor woman alive to bring uh, tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us, saying, so did did David, and so will be his manner all the while he dwell in the country of the Philistines. So, what, what what, verse 11 is important. For 16 months... David lied and schemed and killed and devoured a lots of people. So was his manner while living in Ziklag. Verse 12, And Achish believed David, saying, Well, why did, why did Achish believe David? Because there were no witnesses. He hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. <clears throat> Therefore, he shall be my servant forever. So what had happened? David goes down <clears throat> to the to to Gath, and and he 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 goes to the king, and he and he says, Hey, look, you know what? I, I'm tired of running. Uh, Saul's going to kill me one day, and uh, I I just I'm done, and I want to come live. I want to uh, you know I want to be your servant. So David schemes and lies his way through 16 months of lying and scheming. It's important to know what's going on in Israel at this time. We know what David's doing. We know what Achish is doing. But what's happening in Israel? Well, <clears throat> Samuel Samuel had just died. He was he was the last of the judges. Samuel dies, and and Israel, the nation, goes into mourning because because Samuel, the the the, the this great man of God, is is gone. So the entire nation goes into into mourning, and and Achish, I believe, Achish sees his chance to attack Israel because they're in mourning. Kind of catch them off guard, if you would. 
So Achish <clears throat> brings together a great army and 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 uh, <clears throat> uh, and and prepares to attack Israel. Saul, the king of Israel, raises up an army to fight the Philistine army. But there's one problem. Samuel is dead. Samuel was the advisor. Samuel was the man that in, in past battles that Saul would go to and, and we'd say, okay, what does God want me to do? Well, that Samuel's gone. He is on his own. Not only is he on his own, but he's not right with God. So what does Saul do? Saul, again, I'm, I'm still in the introduction phase here, okay? We'll get to the sermon in a second. <clears throat> what does Saul do? Saul goes and hires a medium to raise Samuel from the dead. And when she does that, it scares her half to death. I'm going to speed it up here. Basically, Samuel comes back to life and he's like, Saul, what are you doing? I was, I, I'm like, I was in heaven. What are you doing, dude? I don't want to be here. In, in the long and short of it, Samuel tells Saul that the next day in battle, that he and his sons would die. Achish, <clears throat> Achish has this army. And he, te- and he goes to David and he says, David, are you with me? And David says, yes, I am with you. I will fight against Israel. Now, again, for, for 16 months, David has been lying and scheming. Now, we don't know. We have no idea if David was going to literally fight against Israel or he would kind of do a back attack or something, we, we don't know. We, we have no idea what was going. His, his, for 16 months, he had lived a lie and he had schemed his way through all of this. We don't know what David's thinking. <clears throat> But the other Philistine generals get upset at Achish and they say, we don't want David on our side. We don't trust him. Which was really smart, by the way. Okay, because personally, I think David has something up his sleeve. But anyway, we don't know. So Achish goes to David and says, hey, thanks a lot, but no thanks. Go home. So David and his 600 men go home. 1 Samuel chapter 29, verse 11. Well, help if I could find it. So David and his men uh, rose up to depart in the morning uh, to return to the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. So David and his men, his 600 men, go home. Now you get the sermon. Okay? Are y'all up to speed where we are? Okay, you need all that to understand what's going on. Chapter 30, let's start reading in verse 1. 
And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any uh, either, great or small, but carried them away uh, and went on their way. Now, do you think that may be a little payback from what David had been doing? Uh, yeah, I kind of think so. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive. And <clears throat> uh, 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 the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the, spe- for the people spake of stoning him, because the, the soul of all the people was grieved, every man <clears throat> for his own son and for his daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said unto Abathar the priest, Ananiah likes son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overcome them, overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. little side note here in verse 6. I just, this is not part of the sermon. This is just a little helpful information. Hurting people hurt people. When people are hurting, it's very natural for them to lash out. So we just need to be cognizant of that. The title of my sermon this morning is this, Learning to Preach to Yourself. Learning to preach to yourself. Look at verse 6. Near the end it says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord. In other words, what did David do? David preached at himself. He had an audience of one. The first thing David does, and I'm going to kind of go through this very quickly. The first thing David does is he calls for the ephod. And, and the ephod was, was uh, from my understanding, was part of what the high priest used to wear. And I, I did some research on it. And, and the best I could tell, most theologians that I was able to study believed that somehow the, the ephod that the high priest wore, uh, God used it somehow to communicate to men. And there was something, there was something about the ephod that David needed, so that God could communicate to him. Does that make sense? Uh, praise God, we don't need an ephod. Right. We have the Word of God. Amen. But David didn't have this, so David calls for the ephod, and what does he do? He goes to the Lord in prayer for the first time, for the first time in 16 months. David prays. 
for the first time in 16 months. How very sad. Go back, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verse 1, the very first part. What had happened? For the third time, Saul had tried to kill David, and David was just sick and tired of running. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go to the land of the Philistines. But look at verse, 20, uh, verse 1 of chapter 27, the very first part. It says, and David said in his heart, Is that prayer? No. That's frustration. He was tired of running. He was tired of the fight. And he says, I quit. I quit. And he went and he, de- and he defected. And for 16 months, he would live a life of lying and deceit and, and scheming and trying to get through all the way through... What was he thinking? He wasn't. As I was thinking about this, I thought I had I the thought came to me. How many decisions have I made have I made the exact same way? Out of frustration, out of hurt, out of disappointment. How many times have I have I gone and, and, and said, hey, I'm I'm done. I, I am done because I'm frustrated, hurt. You fill in the blank. Countless. I have as a Pastor as a preacher, I've had the opportunity to preach to all types of groups. I have preached to as small of groups as two, three, maybe four, four people. And I've I, I've preached in a church churches of 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 a thousand plus. And and I've had people tell me, <clears throat> man, it's got to be hard standing on a pulpit with a thousand, fifteen hundred people staring at you. Uh, it is a little uncomfortable, but I'm here to tell you, you know who the hardest group to pray to it or to preach to is? The group of one, me. When it comes to preaching to me, I am far harder a preacher on myself than I am on you. I am far more critical of myself. And the truth is, so are you. We are always harder on ourselves than anybody else. And David had to come to the realization that he needed to learn how to preach to himself. My first point is this, why? Why did David need to learn how to preach to himself? And why do you and I need to learn how to preach to ourselves? The first reason why, letter A, because of our bad choices. The reality is this, 
David was in this situation. He was in this problem because he chose to. We could stand here all day long and he could blame it on the king. He could blame it on King Saul. Couldn't, couldn't he? But who made the choice? He did. And we, we, could, we could say, well, it was Achish's fault because he's the one son of Ziklag. It was David's fault. It was David's bad choices. And there are times in our lives where we get into jams and there is nobody to blame but me. Our bad choices. And we can blame people all day long and it doesn't matter because when it, when the, when it, when it all boils out, it is your fault and it's my fault because it was David's fault. David made the choice. Number B, because of the unbearable burdens. What were David's men wanting to do? They were wanting to stone him. He had lost everything. His home, all the contents were gone. His two wives, his children, his men were rebelling against him. His men had lost, everybody had lost their... Can you imagine the, the burden that David was carrying on his shoulders that day? But David had to learn how to preach to himself. He had to learn how to encourage himself in the Lord. Because... There are times in our lives where life happens and there's nothing we can do about it. And the burdens can be so heavy on us at times that if we don't learn how to encourage ourselves, how to preach to ourselves, what are we going to do? We're going to suffer. The unbearable burdens... There, there, there are many reasons, and I'm just going to give you one more. The bad choices we make, the unbearable burdens that we bear. And this one is probably the most important. The irrational people. They wanted to stone him. Now, if that is not irrational, I don't know what is. They literally wanted to go out and pick up stones and throw them at David until he was dead. That's not normal. But why? Because hurting people want to hurt people. That's irrational. But it all boils down to the choices that David made. Number one, why? Well, we saw the why. Because of the bad choices, the unbearable burdens, and the irrational people that were around David. Number two, what? What did, what did David preach to himself? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. It could be that David got off by himself 
At least this is how I picture it, okay? I don't know. But I picture David kind of going off to himself, off by himself and sitting on a rock and, and God bringing back to his memory <clears throat> what he wrote when he was a young shepherd boy. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. See, David wrote those words when he was just a young man. When he was a shepherd boy. I don't know, we don't know what David was preaching to himself, but I I can't help but wonder if David was reminding him of some of the things that he himself had written about God. The 23rd Psalm, let me read it to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall live, uh, shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does the 23rd Psalm describe the life that David had to have been living for the last 16 months? No, just the opposite. Lying and scheming his way through. And now, all of a sudden, he's gotten to the point where he needed God in his life. I want, to, I want you to pick out one, one really, really, really important word in verse 6. Let me get to the right chapter here. (laughs) And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for for his son and for his daughter. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, circled the next word, his God. His God. We don't know what was said, but we do know that God went from being just a God to His God. Let me ask you this morning. Is God in your life just a God? Or is He your God? See, 16 months earlier... God was just God. Now, He was His God. And then number three, and we'll be done. Learning how to preach to yourself. Why? Because, well, we talked about that. What? We don't know, but God, God, will, God will help you through that. And then number three, what happened? Or what was the result of David preaching to himself? He was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do. Now I want you to look at something <clears throat> very, what I would consider strange. David calls for 
the ephod, and uh, Abathar brings the ephod. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and <clears throat> without fail recover all. Now let me ask you what I see, what seems to me to be a strange question. Why did David even have to ask God whether or not to go get his family? Doesn't that seem like an automatic? And as I as I pondered that, I thought, why did David stop and do that? Because that that's a no-brainer. Of course you go get your family. But wait a second. Let's stop and review the last 16 months. What had David done? David had made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice, and it got worse and worse, and the lying and the scheming got deeper and deeper and deeper, and he got to the point he was preaching to himself. God got a hold of his heart, and he said, you know what? I can't undo what I did, but I can do right going forward. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna read something here <clears throat> because I don't wanna I don't wanna mess it up, but I want to say this. If you don't get anything out of this morning's message, get this. So wake up, everybody, wake up. Okay, Verlon, you awake? <laughs> I cannot undo yesterday's decisions but I can let God lead me today. And one of the biggest struggles that each of us deals with is the choices that we made yesterday. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. David preached to himself, we don't know what happened, but we know that God got a hold of his heart. And David realized I have messed up big time for the last 16 months. I have made some big time bad choices. But from this day forward, I'm going to live for God. And David, moving forward, now those of us that know the rest of the story, does David continue to make stupid decisions? Absolutely he does. But what does he do every single time he makes a bad choice? He gets right with God and he moves on. And so often in our lives, we want to get right, but we want to also live in the past. And you cannot do that. And God assures David, yes, go after him. You will get everybody and everything back. But I'm here to tell you this. I believe with all of my heart. If God had said, no, David, don't go. David wouldn't have gone. And so often in our lives, we get to choices like this and we fail to allow God the opportunity in our lives to say, no, don't go. And we rob ourselves from a huge blessing. Because I believe this, had God said, no, David, don't go, he would have provided another means for their families to come home to them. But way too often we want to take it into our own hands. 
sometimes what is obvious to us is not obvious to God. And we need to allow God the opportunity to work in our hearts and our lives. Number one, why do we, why do we need to learn to preach to ourselves? Number one, because we too make bad choices. We too can bear some incredible burdens. And we too are surrounded oftentimes by irrational people. What what do we preach to ourselves? I, I believe we're not told what David preached to himself because what you need is different from what I need. And what I need is different from what David needed. And there are times where we just need to get alone with God and, and, and move God from being a God or just God to being my God. And when that transition takes place in our hearts and our lives, it changes everything. And what is the result? What happens? God has control of our lives. That's what happens. Learning how to preach to yourself. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,